Today's scripture reading comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, verses 1 to 3, and 5 to 6, and verse 16. Uh, first, verse, verses 1 to 3. On account of the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham, Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. And Judah the father of Peretz and Zerah by Tamar, and Peretz the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Aram. Next, uh, the verses five to six. And Simon, the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz, the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. And David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah. Next, the verse 16. And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, who bore Jesus, who is called the Messiah. The word of God for the people of God. Let's pray. To your word we look. O oh Lord, for guidance, for nurture, for resilience, for hope, and for action. Amen. Resilience can be defined quickly and miss almost everything. The ability or capacity to adapt to difficulty or resistance, and continue resilience. As Sugi has just read parts of the genealogy of Jesus, there are within this text four unusual names, all female, who represent resiliency from the unexpected plus one very well-known name, that of Mary. Think about Mary's life and how resilient she was. So the first name mentioned, the female name, was Tamar. And you will find her story in Genesis 38, which is a wonderful chapter that interrupts the story of hero Joseph. Joseph's story begins, and all of a sudden in chapter 38, we meet Tamar. You can meet her. Our next person is Rahab, who you will meet in the book of Joshua, in both chapters 2 and 6. Read chapter 2, and watch what she does and how she gets the saving of those Israelite spies accomplished. I need to go back to Tamar. 
because there's just this little tiny caveat. When you read her story, you'll think yada, 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 but do not stop until almost the end when Judah points to Tamar and says she is more right than I. After Rahab, we meet Ruth. Of course we meet Naomi, but the standout person is Ruth and the book is named after her, the Moabitess. A person from Moabite being honored in scripture? Yes. Loyalty, commitment to change, relentlessly remaining faithful, resilience. Then we get to the wife of Uriah, Matthew says, which I absolutely love because Matthew does not want it lost on anyone that Bathsheba was the wife of Uriah until King David had Uriah, his general, killed because he wanted Bathsheba. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm not supposed to tell those stories. Feel free to read these on your own. That one you're gonna find in 2 Samuel 11. Mary. Holy, pious, let's start from the beginning, an unwed teen 2,000 years ago. The women mentioned in Jesus's genealogy by Matthew demonstrate everything that resilience is. So please read their story and how Matthew interrupts the status quo because that's not where I'm gonna go. I'm going to introduce two other people and whose stories are too long to read, so I'd like to give you a synopsis of both stories and hope that you will go back and read the whole story. Hagar and Abigail. They are unrelated. They are in two different places. They each show this kind of resilience. And they each have chapters of their own. They are examples not just of resilience, but of faithfulness to God and to community. Let's start with Hagar. Hagar and Sarah are connected. Sarah, with Abraham, is barren. Even though there's been a promise of a child, she's barren and she's old, and this is, this is an opening for God's miracle. The culture of her time suggested that surrogacy was absolutely normal and it was the custom that when a woman was barren, she could have a surrogate whose child would become the woman's own and would raise the woman's status because status back in ancient times was based on birth. And Sarah was lacking. Sarah was sad. Having a child would bring her to an honored state. So she had an Egyptian who was serving in her household and Sarah and Abraham thought together, let's have Hagar be the surrogate mom. Hagar conceived and Sarah perceived contempt from Hagar. It is often the case that when we have it, that contempt, that feeling inside of ourselves, that we perceive it from somebody else rather than what is actually happening. Pregnant, Hagar is banished. She's sent out into the desert, and there the angel of the Lord, who could be God, who could be not, no explanation necessary, the angel of the Lord appears to Hagar in the wilderness 
an Egyptian receives an epiphany. Who says, in my words, well, actually in scripture, I will so greatly multiply your offspring that they cannot be counted for multitude, the multitude. Then the angel names Hagar's child by Abraham, Ishmael, meaning God listens. And God tells her, or the angel tells her, that God has seen and recognized her affliction. This is an Egyptian, not the angel, Hagar. And then the angel suggests, with this promise, now go back to Sarah. Hagar, for her part, she responds by praising God, by thanking God for listening to her cry and her prayer. And here's a crazy thing, she names God, gives God a name. El Roy, God of seeing, God who sees. And she asks almost rhetorically, have I seen God and lived? An epiphany. They're infrequent in scripture. There aren't a lot of them, but Hagar has one, as did Sarah and Abraham. Level playing field. So moving on, after Isaac is born of Sarah and Abraham, the older child, Ishmael, plays with Isaac, and Sarah's old bitterness surfaces. Her heart withers within her again. Sarah had Hagar sent away before anything further happened between these two boys. Now, Abraham, in all fairness, struggled. He wanted both sons. But Abraham did not struggle an iota compared to Hagar. Considering that Ishmael was the decision of Sarah and Abraham upon Hagar. It was not Hagar's fault that she bore a child, nor was it Ishmael's fault. They did nothing wrong, yet they are being exiled, banished. Where? To the wilderness. Do you survive in the wilderness on your own when you're just a woman and a little child? No. Sarah and Abraham possibly got tired of waiting for the covenant of God to come true, so they made other plans with Hagar and then reneged. And I love this story because you and I renege on waiting for God's covenant to happen. I've seen it in many a church that cries, why are we shrinking? Why aren't new members coming? Why is our roof linking? Why, why, why? The covenant of blessing belongs to you. No need to rush God's action even when we want to. Hagar receives an unprecedented two epiphanies. Alone in this merciless desert, another epiphany appears. She does not want to watch her son die. She knows exactly what's going to happen, so she wants to take her own life. She weeps, and God heard. Er and called out to Hagar, 
Now these ones are my words. What troubles you, dear? Do not be afraid. God has heard your cry. Then God again declares that Ishmael shall be a great nation. The same promise given to Abraham. Hagar's eyes are opened and suddenly she seems a stream of fresh water and she can drink and she can make meal, provisions in the wilderness as God provided in the future. Two rams, I'm sorry, one ram, one stream of water, two sons. Stories of resilience are hard to hear because somebody is hurting and your loving hearts identify with the hurting. So don't ignore their stories. Feel free to hurt with them and see God in the midst of their hurt. Resilience. We do not always get the things we want, nor do things go the way we want. Do we give up? May I hear a resounding no? That wasn't really loud enough for me. Thank you very much. This brings me to Abigail. Totally different story. You'll find Abigail's story in 2 Samuel 25. Uh, sorry, 1 Samuel 25. It is before David is king. I love to tell this story because Abigail, and I'm not very fond of spouses being named, but Abigail is named along with her spouse, Nabal, which immediately is translated, if you look it up in your scriptures, fool. Not making that one up, just look it up yourself. It was his name and it was who he was. The story opens with David, who is not yet king, who is at war with King Saul only because King Saul is at war with David because Saul knows David's going to be the next king. So Saul, a king appointed by God, feels threatened and all sorts of things that don't work in that story. But David needs Nabal's help. He approaches Nabal in the fields and asks for food. See, before this incident, David had had provided food for Nabal when he was in trouble. So as the future king of Israel, and everybody knows he's going to be, he expects Nabal to be a kind neighbor and offer food and shelter for he, for, for David and for his troops, and Nabal says, no. In ancient Israel, and in many communities around the world. Reciprocity was an understood quality. If I do this for you, well, I, I might hope that you would someday do it for me. It's not necessarily how we work in the Bay Area, but it was extremely strong in the community based of ancient Israel. In my need, you help me. In your need, I will help you. Nabal refused. He chose his life and protecting his goods and his stock of grains, oversharing life with community. David 
was either in a very foul mood or clearly saw the injustices of Nabal's selfishness, so he prepares battle with all of his soldiers, with his war horses, with his swords and spears and shields, and is ready to attack not just one person, but might as well do the whole village. In the background, and immediately in the story, comes Abigail, who has heard about Nabal's refusal to help the future king. She knows both high egos, Nabal's and David's. So she sets in motion a peacekeeping scheme. The issue on the table is food. Nabal doesn't want to be bothered, but Abigail sees a way forward. Five sheep, 200 loaves, skins of wine, parched grain, 100 clusters of raisins, 200 cakes of figs, loaded onto multiple donkeys, and Abigail is on just one donkey, and she goes out alone to meet David and his warriors. Were her gifts of generosity, a trade for protection? a gift or an opportunity to be heard. Abigail bows before David when they meet, not in submission, but as one at odds with the opponent looking for the opportune moment to make a case for peace. Now, I imagine David wonders if this woman, who he does not yet know, is anything like her spouse Nabal and is also a fool, so he is not disarming yet. He does not know about this wise, noble, humorous, and most importantly, effective female right in front of him. Abigail, in her wisdom, allows David to regroup. Possible pause, that poignant pause. One woman with an army of donkeys loaded with exactly what David asked for from Nabal. One woman facing one angry king is resilient. Neither Abigail nor the donkeys shudder before the army of men and war horses. I imagine that wise Abigail, who executes the proper protocol when addressing the future king and bows before him, and if you look it up in chapter 25, says, my Lord, so many times I got tired of saying it myself. She raises a finger of hesitation to say, let's, let's think this through for just one moment, please. You have been insulted to be sure, and I apologize for the actions of my spouse, properly named fool. Yet, if the way be clear, perhaps murdering a fool and a village would actually tarnish your good name as the future king of Israel. Abigail and her village know that David is fighting with and fleeing from King Saul at the same time. King Saul, who everyone thinks is a fool, so I don't know, is this a chapter of fools? That's not necessarily the point. 
The point is the resiliency of one person saying, how about a thought? How about a pause? How about a reconsideration of violence? One woman with one donkey makes one perfect corrective criticism. Do you want the blood of the innocent on your hands as you approach the holy throne of Israel? Will you let your ego rule this day or will you accept these gifts of hospitality and generosity to rule the day and bring peace? Cue the army of donkeys with the extravagant gifts. Think on this, Abigail says, speaking truth to power. Would you like to live into the way of life through forgiveness of a fool or murder? Resilience. I love David's response. I'm not even going to paraphrase it. I'm just going to read it. David said to Abigail, blessed be the Lord God of Israel who sent you to meet me today. Blessed be your good sense and blessed be you who have kept me today from blood guilt and from avenging myself by my own hand. I leave you with stories for you to read. The five women in Matthew's genealogy, you're gonna have to go look them up. And two women who I presented, may their gifts of resilience empower you to go and do the same. Amen.